In this episode of The Full Nerd, the East Coast-West Coast CPU rivalry heats up and everything awesome at E3 on the PC. Welcome to The Full Nerd, episode 56. I'm your host, Gordon Mong, with co-host Brad Charkas on the Skype. Hello, internet. Hello. Special guest, Hayden, Hayden Dingman. I'm not going to mess this up. I haven't had coffee. Who has just been dipped in the E3 news stuff is here with us. Yeah, it was E3 sweat, mostly. E3 sweat, mostly. And, of course, Adam Patrick Murray has control of the off switch, so don't anger him. Uh Currently, number uh, that Russia and Egypt are going, and it's three one. Don't worry, uh, it's not three nil anymore. <laughs> or what was uh, what was it? Martin said. Martin kept saying three. three it was a uh, nil and three nil. Yeah, like some guy nil. Like no. <laughs> yeah, three nil. Like nil. Patrick Harris. <laughs> I, I don't get it. I just don't get that part. But we we don't want to sidetrack it too much because there's a lot of exciting stuff, and and it really is the East Coast. West Coast rivalry, although from the West Coast, everything past Nevada is the East Coast, so I think it's fair. That's true. <laughs> Which is that rivalry between AMD and Intel. So who's going to get hot. shot? It is just, I, I don't know. Who's I, the Tupac of this rivalry? Yeah, I know, because <laughs> you always think of like, you always think of like Tupac and Biggie, uh-huh. but it could also be Taylor uh, Swift and, um, God, I, I know what's her name. I, can, I, I have no idea where you're going. Selma with Gomez. No, really, it, there's a real rivalry between uh, Taylor Swift Jojo and Siwa. Katy Perry. Okay, oh, man, yeah, sure. that rivalry is 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 harsher than Tupac and Biggie. You don't want to like. <laughs> oh, they got the full on entourage and everything. Right, let me just kick this off though. I didn't even. I, I I'm in a. Uh, I saw this. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull an audible as someone who like to say who likes to watch football instead of soccer. Intel responses from Paul Lilly over at PC Gamer. Got to give him a shout out. I didn't see this. This is so snap. Intel responds to AMD's trolling over uh, Core i7 8086K. As you know, if you read PC World and everywhere else, yesterday uh, AMD said, "Hey, if you want one of those Core i7 8086 processors, those limited edition parts." Uh, up to 40 people can enter a contest, and we'll give you a Threadripper 16 core instead of that puny, you know, uh, 5 gigahertz 6 core chip. And they basically also says stuff like, yeah, you know, we're, we want to talk about the next 40 years of computing, not looking back 40 years. We're looking forward, like, not looking back. It's like so much, so much, like, attitude, right? That's just, but wait, check this out. I, I'm really surprised because normally, and of course, it's not on here. What happened? I mean, it's pretty ambitious of AMD to say they'll be around in 40 years, so. Yeah, it is, but, you know, things are looking a lot, good. A lot less so than it was a couple of years. Yeah, yeah sure. a lot but... less so. <laughs> and, of course, look at the frowny face. Where, where the hell so, did the tweet So, going? Intel, what Intel did is they re, they entered back with that, and they said, hey, if you guys just wanted a sample, you guys could have asked us. Yeah, that was <laughs> it. Help to celebrate. Damn. That's like, I like, from the actual official Intel, you know, like, uh, you know, gaming this is getting hot. It's getting hot. I mean, it's They're sort of like in a nerd way, right? They're put, they've got their diss tracks ready to go. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> well, so so for anyone who hasn't followed it that close, uh, yeah, I was at E3, you know, doing work. I didn't get to follow it, but give us a little more backstory. I remember what happened at Computex. You know, f- fill us in. What, oh, what's going on? Well, you know, we want to get into the Core Wars thing. So, you know, Intel did a demo of a twenty-eight core CPU yeah. unknown question mark demo. Um, and then the next day, AMD did a demo of a 32-core CPU, and things actually got really bad for Intel from that point because 
It was 28 cores, liquid chilled, heavily overclocked, all cores to not, 5 gigahertz. Right. Not just have a, not just liquid chilled. They the onstage demo. They said, "Look, it hits 5 gigahertz." But what they didn't say is it was like some aquarium grade, <laughs> like 1500 watt TDP cooler that yeah. had like insulated cables and stuff like that. Yeah, and it was a server motherboard because exactly the next day, uh, as expected, you know, Asus and Gigabyte showed off. Hey, check this out. We have the 28 core system. It's like, uh, this is like a $3,000 motherboard, right? It's <laughs> six channel dim and like seven or eight or 10 or 12 PCIe. It's like, what, how is this even possibly consumer? Um, I mean, it's not. That's the, that's the point, right? Yeah. And it's not, you know, and like, I let's be, let's be real. Their 10 core chip is not consumer. Well, even, their, even their six right. core chip is barely a consumer part in terms of what people actually want to shell out for a CPU. Right. I mean, that gets into the existential discussion of do, you, do consumers really need, I mean, what's a consumer, of course, do you really need more than eight cores? Not, not right now, no. <laughs> no. Not, and not for, for gaming, but I think yeah. it is, so many people are taking up YouTube and yeah. starting their own Twitch streams that I think it, there actually is use to some extent to, to have some so many cores. Yeah, I, th- I think we're still topping out around like eight, though. Like, I feel like for after games. that point, the yeah. the number of cores that you need goes down steeply for like anything that you could do like i have a i have a six core cpu at home and i don't think that i've ever hit load on that thing even like streaming out to twitch or whatever it is so hard to like max out the capabilities of that chip unless you're doing like very heavy video rendering or benching that thing or whatever I mean, uh, and that is the thing, right? Who you really, it's hard to justify it. And, and, and you know, of course, AMD sort of started this whole war with the 16 core and mm-hmm. then eight, in, in, well, actually, I guess Intel technically launched the 18 core first. They had 18 and 16 last year, and now we're at 38 and 28, 30, 28 32, yeah. and 32. It's just yeah. like. The, the 28, I'm. I think it was real cool that they went out and they showed that it could go to five gigahertz, even if it's like this wildly crazy rig. I think it's really cool that they say, hey, look, this can get to five gigahertz. Right. But it just seems like that's not going to be anywhere near retail in the near future. No. And, you know, and actually, I had a talk. They had a small talk with some of us afterwards. Uh, Of course, everything was winding down. We were just, you know, having beers and talking about it. And they're like, you know, it was always intended for us to say it was an overclocking demo. Mm -hmm. A lot of people sort of said, oh, they're lying to us by saying you're going to get a 5 gigahertz 28 core CPU. And their argument was like, well, no, we never intended to say that. We're saying, hey, look at this cool ass thing, you you know, you could do. and their argument is like uh, it was actually on the it was it was going to be said it was in the script and also look uh, if we wanted to hide it we wouldn't have put a case window on it and had these massive tubes running underneath mm-hmm. right so uh, that 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 said it was uh, the the timing of the omission it was pretty curious because yeah. that was right around mm-hmm. the same time that they were announcing the eight oh eight six k. Right. The 40th anniversary part. And that actually does go to 5 gigahertz. Some of them say, hey, check it out, 5 gigahertz. And then here's also 28 cords with 5 gigahertz. Sure. I mean, it's- <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's no way to say it's not suspicious because, I mean, you know, they rarely get the benefit of the doubt. So everybody thinks it was them trying to pull the wool over our eyes. I will say, though, they said, like, look, what you saw demoed is just simply 28 cores end of this year, Q4, I think is what they're saying. That doesn't mean, if, assuming it launches, it doesn't mean it's going to have six channels of RAM, which is the demo, you know, CPU that everybody saw. It doesn't mean you're going to have the server motherboard. It doesn't even necessarily mean it's going to use that socket or that it will have a, you know, Core i9. We don't know. It's just simply, it's a mystery. You know, the, 
Intel is always loath to talk about uh, unannounced product because they always get sued by everybody and investors. They got a lot of money to lose, so they really are sort of handcuffed. But yeah, it's a bad look. There's no way to say like yeah. <laughs> it wasn't a bad look. But right? it's like a cool. I my thing is like it's just cool to see where this stuff is going. Um, I felt mm-hmm. very much the same coming out of the uh, the Nvidia ray tracing stuff at GDC, and then we saw it again at E3. They had some more demos on that. Yeah, and. Uh, it's just cool because I feel like we're finally reaching a point where I like, I feel like we've been on four core as the standard for so long now. It's cool to see the CPU side pushing that forward. It's cool to see our GPUs getting to a point where we can do some really cool stuff on that side. It's cool to look at the demos that these, these companies are doing and be like, Oh, in 10 years, like this is where we'll, we'll be. Um, I don't expect any of that stuff to be consumer grade for a long time but it's cool to see a roadmap because i feel like the last couple years it's felt a little bit like everybody was floundering uh it felt like intel was just sort of like ah well we're still selling four core (laughs) you keep buying it four core chips so why do we need to upgrade and like that that is also informed by like where the consoles are at the consoles are are still holding everybody back at this point nobody really wants to invest heavily they have eight cores yeah i know yeah (laughs) eight eight cores Uh, and so like, there's a reason that this stuff kind of lulls in the middle of that console generation, but it is cool to finally see like, okay, in five, 10, 15 years, this is where we're going. We're going to have some amazing stuff. Even if right now NVIDIA needs four cards to run this crappy ray tracing demo I, at like 10 frames per second like, I, I did show that to gordon the uh the case and yeah. the custom shrouds and yeah. stuff yeah it's was, beautiful yeah, it's it's a, and it was running it's hot yeah it's an amazing little case i put my hand on it and almost burned my hand like it was nice <laughs> and warm uh, and they were running that thing every time you would turn the ray tracing off you would gain like 20 frames per second so uh, and that's with four cards. Yeah, that was with four cards. So, yeah, like, you know that stuff is five or ten years out from being consumer ready. But Who says multi-GPU is dead? Yeah, right? But it's, like, super cool to see that stuff. And it's cool to see Intel getting in on it finally because I feel like Intel for a long time, because they were so dominant, was kind of like, ah, we just kind of can float here. Yeah. You know, and it's really tough. I've, I've been talking with people about this. From Intel's perspective, um, you got to realize they've been pushing to solve to get developers to use more cores for a long long time and they've kept it's it's a battle they've lost i mean this goes all the way back to single core processors they've been getting people to push multi-core because why not sell you more right yeah um it's never really taken on after all these years and i could see intel saying you know yeah sure we really need to push out an 18 core or 28 core part to compete with amd right but you know it's chicken and egg right because AMD's like, hey, <laughs> we'll give you eight cores for $250. You have a reason now for developers because everybody's going to have eight. I mean, I could see eight cores on desktop being the standard yeah, configuration in, you know, in two years. Yeah. And that's only because AMD's willing to bring the price down, which is what Intel will never do. So yep. that's that's the, the bad thing on them. Well, And it's been weird because I think that there's been a lot of stuff that I thought would catch on faster that has not. So uh, I thought by now DirectX 12 would be a big deal. Yeah. And it hasn't been. And so we find ourselves in this lull where there's a lot of cool hardware that nobody's taking advantage of because we're still barely touching DirectX 12 with most games. Right. Like, it's weird to me that it's still notable. We're, we're what, three years out from the DirectX 12 review, reveal or something? Uh, that's like enough time that like we have done full game lifespan development cycles. <laughs> yeah. And 
it's still noteworthy when a game is DirectX 12 at launch. Like that's still this not the standard. Three years later, um, that's bizarre to me. Like I thought that stuff would really push us forward in a way that it hasn't. Uh, and so it's because because they linked it to Windows 10. It's Windows 7 still like 50 percent of the yep. world. So <laughs> yeah, it's starting to change that Steam hardware survey. We're starting to see like the the numbers go dip uh, on Windows 7 but oh oh that's good but I mean how many I I guess to be fair to, to Microsoft uh, those Windows 7 boxes they ain't running like you know 8 core processors and 1080s yeah. so it's yeah there's not a huge reason for them to use DirectX 12 over there but um, I mean really I mean and you know for people who have been around this game for a long time there's always these times where you're just railing and railing and railing about at developers it's like yeah. support this card support this feature support whatever and it just like years and years and years it's yeah it's just fascinating because i feel like there's been other stuff like we've we've seen a lot of nvidia's tech end up in a lot of games over the last couple of years um and DirectX 12 adoption has not been that static uh or has not grown in that same way it's been sort of like oh yeah like this game is going to support DirectX 12 three months after launch or whatever. Like that seems to be the the standard way it's gone for a while. Uh, really, only Square Square was the only company that was really pushing DirectX 12 for the yeah. last couple of years, um, and now they shed Hitman. So who knows whether that'll be DX 12 again? And of course, the important thing for people who are wondering DX 12, I think matters for us who have lots of cores. Yeah, ideally you'll you'll get games ideally that it would take advantage. Yeah, all those those CPU cores. That's the thing. Like, so Intel announces this 28 core, AMD announces this 32 oh. core chip. But on the gaming side, I'm still playing games that are just pegged on one <laughs> core. Like, yeah. this is still yeah. a common thing. The most <laughs> I've ever seen a game use is like four. Uh, as right. far as like standard like console century games, strategy games, you sometimes get. You you know some actual core usage uh but a lot of those like tomb raider all the like console third person games first person shooters all those are still using like one core maybe two maybe and four your experience because one of the problems is benchmarks don't really tell you the whole story so mm -hmm. you're saying in all the all the open world games you're running through because generally more cores are better for open world games yeah. is the 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 what everybody believes but it like makes a difference up to a point, but like it's still not the twenty eight core is not going to be a thing that you're like, oh yeah, my my graphics card is really taking advantage, or my uh, CPU is really taking advantage of this. Uh, I think it's more like you can do gaming and something else, yeah, and something. I mean, that's else. Not, like I bought a six core CPU this time because I was doing video stuff at home. It had nothing to do with games because every game I played still runs fine on on a four core CPU. Sure. Most of them still run fine on a two core CPU. That's like. Only in the last two years have they started to be like, no, you need a four-core CPU for this game. Right. Um, yeah, it's just kind of disappointing. Like, it's cool to see that tech, but f for me on the game side, and that's where most of the consumers are, I believe, on the PC side, there's just, like, not a huge incentive at the moment to upgrade, and the stuff that I thought would incentivize that, like DX12, has just kind of been a bust so far. So I mean, the guidance. But I mean, the good news is there's still parts that are affordable out there. Yeah. So 8700K, 2700X, still sort of generally what most people are going to build for gamers. Yep. But, and, yeah. And what we're talking about right now is part of the reason I find that new 8086K chip pretty interesting. Um, is their new limited edition part that was also announced at Computex. Uh, and people are kind of pooping on it, you know, to some degree, saying it's 75 bucks. <laughs> well, even for, AMD is too for a better bend 87. 100k 
Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, sure, if you're going to say that, sure, that's cool. But if you go and you look at there's a site called Silicon Lottery that'll, like, fix your chips up, make sure they're nice, hit overclocks to a certain degree, and then sell you these chips guaranteed to hit certain amounts for a higher price. Every single one of the 8086Ks hit 5 gigahertz. On some of them cores. go all the way up to Damn. on all cores. Oh, wow. And some of them go all the way up to 5.3 gigahertz. And that's what games are looking for these days. Mm-hmm. So... People well, have been dumping on that chip to some degree, but I think that that's a really interesting chip. Well, the uh, best, best, best will, best Iliwi uh, over on <laughs> Twitch. I I always get that wrong. Uh, he said, "Who would trade in uh, the eighty or They're talking about the promotion with the AMD offer. Like, would you rather go with an eighty eighty six K or a fifteen a nineteen fifty X? Uh, personally, it depends hundred percent on your use case. Because yeah. if you're a gamer, pure not necessarily even a pure gamer, but predominantly a gamer, you want that 806, 8086K. There's too many letters in that. <laughs> it's messing up their standard scheme. Because uh, like I said, that'll get you that cores count, the six cores, 12 threads at a high speed. But if you're going to be doing video production, twist streams and stuff, then it may, might make a little bit more sense to swap it out for the 16 cores, 32 threads of Threadripper. Right. Yeah. And I really do think if you, you know, it's sort of, yeah, if you're 70% gaming, go for high core, high clocks. If you're 70% work, you know, like Adam, video editing, 3D renderer, yeah, you, you want, you know, give me that. I'd be ready for the 32 core. You'd be like, if you're a 3D renderer, it's like, you'd want 32 cores. So, mm-hmm. so uh, and they, they also mentioned something about a uh, AMD offer on Twitter uh, where you could trade it in. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's what we were talking about. That <laughs> that that back and forth, they're just kind of like throwing shade at each yeah. other. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's fun. It's, it's cool to see them <laughs> stepping into that. Uh, yeah, and you know, competition is awesome. I mean, look at what we've got. I mean, I actually did a chart where I went back and I looked at all the high, HEDT, as, as Intel's always called it, and everybody now uses it as a high-end desktop. Basically means, you know, badass big machines. And I went all the way back to the original Nehalem part, which was arguably the first HEDT part because later on they came out with the smaller socket. And it was like, you know, quad-core, quad-core, six-core, like for like five or six years. Mm -hmm. And then it just went like hockey-sticked up in just the last two years, right? You can guess right because it's, you know, the rising effect, as they call it. So we're like 16, now you're at 32. It's insane, (laughs) you know? So Yeah, it's cool. And it's nice to see AMD in a place where they can compete and they feel like confident enough that they can talk smack to Intel because yeah. like two years ago, if AMD had talked smack to Intel, everybody would just roll their <laughs> eyes. Uh, like the AMD devotees would have been like, oh yeah, AMD sticking it to the man. But they were like not in a position where anybody could have taken that seriously. Why did you just trade KB Lake for one of our FX parts? <laughs> <laughs> I remember one of the earlier episodes you were joining us. It was yeah. before uh, Ryzen came out. Yep, You're like, they're going to have to prove it to me. I'm going to have to see what they can do because yeah. they... And that's the thing. I feel like they finally did on, on this side, on the CPU side. I yes. feel like on the GPU side, they're still a total mess, and it would be very hard <laughs> for them to like talk smack to NVIDIA and have anybody take that seriously. Um, yeah, but, it's tough. And, and, and the Steam hardware survey, speaking of that, like those numbers are looking dire for AMD on the GPU side really? these I days. I thought it actually got better. Uh, AMD, last time I looked, was down to like... Eight percent market share on the GPU that side. Changed, that changed like two or three weeks ago. Uh-huh. Uh, Is it back Valve, up a little? 
Valve said they changed the algorithm because it was like overcounting, uh, like the uh, gaming bars that they have in China and Asia and stuff. Yeah. So like the same system was getting counted multiple times. Okay. So now it's it's balanced out to before what it was. So AMD has like 20, 25 percent. Okay, that's better. Yeah, because it was looking very dire yeah, for was, a little bit there. Uh, but yeah, I still don't like they're not. They don't have like the name cachet over there or the parts to talk smack. Whereas, like, yeah. I, f- I feel like on the no, CPU side, when they talk smack now, it's like you actually can listen to it and be like, oh, okay, this is. They definitely don't have the high ground. They definitely yeah. don't go like, yeah, what do you want a 1080 Ti for? You could step up to a fake. You know, it's just. It's, yeah. Uh, well, that's the thing. I don't think that they've won that CPU battle. I don't even think they're on equal footing with Intel yet, but I at least feel like they're slowly chipping away at that position uh, in a way that people are starting to pay attention to. And and Intel is not automatically the default anymore for a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, that's and that that's, is right. That's that's, that's what I'm most change. excited about out of this Computex, because up until Ryzen came out last year, it was only been a year. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh I mean, Intel quad core is what you had. If yep. you wanted more, you'd spend seventeen hundred dollars on a ten core chip, <laughs> yeah. or you're just gonna stick it out Brad, with a <laughs> stick it out with a quad core. But I like that now, like especially at this Computex, we are getting the eight hundred eight six K. That's a chip that cracks five gigahertz, and we're seeing thirty two core chips. Mm-hmm. So like, there's different things for different people, and I think that's great that we're finally getting around to that. Here's a good uh, relevant question from e Lopez five eighty on YouTube: uh, Will DirectX twelve be skipped for DX thirteen, or we will we just keep sticking with DX twelve for now? Uh, I think we'll get DirectX twelve coming up. I still just think the adoption's been really slow, and I think part of that has been um, uh, there's a lot of behind closed doors talk about how long dev cycles are going this generation as we get more and more photorealistic games uh things take longer and longer um so you you have a couple of houses like ubisoft that still manage to crank out an assassin's creed all the time but it's because they basically (laughs) are like factories over there and they have 12 studios working on every single game all the time um most studios are not like that so we've got like i mean we saw a lot of stuff at e3 that we'll talk about later like dying light 2 like that game is three four years in development at this point uh that game you know dying light came out wow. 2015 i want to say 2000 it, that sounds right yep. 2015 yep. so yeah we're talking it's been three and a half years since that game came out and it's going to be another half year until that game is out or nine months uh these dev cycles are going like really really long at this point and so uh if you think about Hey, DirectX 12 was announced three years ago. Some devs probably had access to it before Microsoft made that announcement, but we're still talking a four-year, five-year turnaround on some of these games. I think the next two years will hopefully see the tipping point, and DirectX 12 will be more popular. Um, But it has been a lot longer than I thought it would be to get some of those games out there. Yeah. I always thought it was crazy that Microsoft didn't continue the free offer for Windows 10, because I actually genuinely do think that's a big part of the problem. Because for, like... To get the ideal DirectX 12 performance that we all like hope for, you have to like build your game up for DirectX 12. Mm-hmm. And if you do that, you're locking your game out of like 50% of the potential market. And yeah. I think that's part of the issue. And with Microsoft pushing services and Windows 10 and stuff so much, I'm shocked that they still don't just say, hey, if you have Windows 7, upgrade uh, Windows 10. Yeah, just, it makes it makes yeah. you think that they, they realize it's a valuable revenue stream they went back. Yeah, from what I understand, Windows, the price of Windows for OEMs have all gone up, especially for uh, high core count machines. It's mm-hmm. interesting, kind of sticking it to gamers, and you know the fact that it's not free. They're just like, hey, why should we leave this 
you know, hundred million dollars on the kind but of I, so I guess that's my thing is I feel like they should have offered it direct to consumers who are building their own PCs for free and then continue to sell it to OEMs who are going to pay that license anyway. Like, they're, what are they going to do? They're going to start running Linux on their OEM <laughs> machines? Like, eh, probably not. Uh, Steambox. Uh, so, like, yeah. I feel like they could have gotten away with, like, hey, you can get Windows, uh, Windows 10 Home for free if you're building a PC at home. And that, like, captures that whole gaming market and then ushers those people into DirectX 12. Uh, and then the people that weren't going to build their own, they don't know that they're paying for that Windows license included in that box anyway. So I, I don't mind them charging for home builders. I just think at least an upgrade from Windows 7. Yeah, true. Be. That too. They've already got that license fee. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, no, really, definitely. I do wish that uh, the free offer hadn't gone away. So it, it should still be out there. Um, one thing I want to ask, though, because um, I, I, I love playing this game. Everybody loves playing the game. How much... <laughs> And I will say the first CPU to arrive will be because I got to say I held one in my hand. It was a production second gen Threadripper. Mm-hmm. That baby's going to be here soon. How much is AMD going to charge for the 32 core and 24 core parts? Oh boy, how much is 16 right now? 16 is about 800 on the street. And AMD actually uh, said, Jim Anderson says, you know what? Ain't nobody buying the 12 core part. You know, <laughs> you go in, you go buy eggs. It's like, why would I only buy 12? The 16 one is like a dollar more. Give the theater <laughs> 25 cents for the large. Give me the, the large. Uh, e. Lopez 580 thinks 1500. Nah, that seems too high. Yeah, too high. I feel like if they're going to really hit it, they're going to hit with. I would love to see them hit 999 on that. Uh, on, the, on the 24, uh, I think that would be a big coup. Yeah. That would be. I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, if we're talking about 800 for the for the 16 core, like that the, doesn't seem like a huge step to add 200 for 24. Yeah, that's street price. I think it's still actual list is 999. Okay. But street, street is 800, and it's been 800 for months and months and months, so 800. So Yeah, I feel like they could hit a thousand for the 24 uh it would be bold of them and they might not choose to they don't really have a reason to because intel's prices are way higher but i could see them hitting that um 32 i have no idea uh over on twitch uh bastel i hope i got that right this time Uh, and hitman 45 say uh 1200 for the 32 i i guess they didn't say so I will go 1750 for the 32 oh that's high 1250 424. Wow, Brad's, Brad's wagering high. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So you're saying what? I, somebody should write this down. I'm Brad, no this is, yeah, <laughs> no, where's I'm that, paper. Where, yeah, where's that rice paper? Here, I'll, write, I'll write this. I, There's I got... no rice paper out here, man. I was eating real paper, and that was not pleasant. <laughs> wait, wait, so, There's no such wait, thing as rice paper. What are you talking about? Wait, so wait, wait, wait. So you're saying how much? You're saying? 1750 at launch for the 32 core. Because Intel's 18 core is 2,000 bucks. No, 1,800 bucks. Their 20 core is 2,000, right? Yeah. It, it seems reasonable. It just also seems really high. Like, I, How many people are going to buy a 32 core part if you need it? I mean, yeah. 1750. Yeah. Let's rewind the clock and say, who's going to buy a 16 core CPU? What are you crazy? <laughs> I, you know what? I, again, it is really, it really is that movie theater game. Uh, soda effect <laughs> hell yeah i'll give you that 25 cents for the extra large i want extra i don't think anybody i think they're right i don't think anybody's gonna buy the 24 core i think it's gonna be by the 32 okay i i'm gonna agree i think 
1500 1500 list on the 32 and that's a lot of course for 1500 bucks that's great yeah <laughs> if that and that. 11 we'll say 1100 for the 24 core part uh, which is already above the intel i'm just you know the 79 7980x actually had come down in price but i'm seeing it on amazon right for like 2000 bucks so mm-hmm. supposedly it had a huge price cut to eighteen hundred dollars, but it doesn't look like it's <laughs> it's shown up yet. Uh, I'm gonna price is right rules and just say fourteen hundred. <laughs> I don't believe in that price is right rule. One dollar. Uh, that that's fundamentally <laughs> wrong. Now for millennials who have no idea, there's this thing called television. I'm a millennial. What are you talking about? Right. For millennials <laughs> have no idea, there's this thing called television. And the, at after school, when you know they would run these. Uh, these uh, game shows yes. and then price is right you would guess how much does this pixel 2 xl cost yep. and then you know elena would say five dollars <laughs> and i would say no it, it cost me eight hundred dollars and she would say i'll give you five dollars for it so on the price is right rule if the actual phone costs uh four dollars if it yeah if it costs if it costs 7.99 and you guess that it costs eight hundred. Yeah, you'd lose. You would lose, <laughs> but because Elena guessed five dollars for this Pixel XL two with one hundred twenty eight gigs of RAM, which is why or storage, she would win. Yeah. So that is why the Price is Right rules are wrong. <laughs> well, because I, I was only a dollar off, and she was like seven hundred ninety five dollars off. Not to be that guy, but you're sitting here giving crap to millennials who don't know about TV. But if you watch The Price is Right, you would know that came on at 11 o'clock in the morning, not after school. Oh, well, I watched the repeat. <laughs> I was in school, Brad. I, I wasn't like, like like you hanging out behind the gym smoking a cigarette, watching Prices Right. Let's go watch Prices Right. Uh, the, we yeah. actually used to watch Jerry Springer like when we would yeah. do oh, education or oh, no. I just like Gordon's very timely rant about the Prices Right rules. Yeah. It's Twenty wrong. years later, also Rusty wrong. says the price is wrong, Gordon. <laughs> It's going to be fifteen hundred bucks, Rusty. Fifteen hundred, fourteen hundred, and I'll win seventeen fifty. And I think I wouldn't be surprised if it's two grand out the bet. Wait, so hey, Hayden, what's what? What is your prediction? Fourteen hundred. I'm just 14 going fourteen for the thirty-two. I'm, I'm going to be the lowest. Yeah, be, I'll be the lowest because then and what I'm about gonna, the twenty-four? I'm going to go a grand for the twenty-four. They can't. And the reason why, and the reason why I don't think it'll be seventeen fifty, which. Uh, I would normally say, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, is that their AMD has anticipated AM, Intel cutting prices, sort of like, <laughs> or at least even if they don't undercut them with price, they want to be at a comfortable place where you go like, why the hell would I buy 8700K for 350 bu- 50 bucks without a cooler when I can get this 2700X for 320 with a cooler? That's a pretty good cooler, right? So they're they're just offering value because they're, yeah, they're I'm pretty just, much I'm one-on-one on the performance. And like, holy smokes, you're getting all this other extras? Yeah, that's I'm an optimist. I just want AMD to come in real hard and be like, no, we're going <laughs> to take over the entire CPU market. All right. My, my, my guess I, is... I will, uh, go ahead. I was just going to say, my guess, uh, 32 is uh, 1,500, 24, 1250. So. Wait, 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 32 for how much? Uh, fifteen hundred. He's taking and your. You my bet. Well, yeah, your no, bet. No, because you're saying twenty four at eleven hundred. I'm saying twelve fifty <laughs> for twenty four. Yeah, but I'm saying fifteen. Yeah, for yeah, the 32 yeah. Part. Nobody wants the twenty four, Adam. <laughs> you don't want the medium soda. You either get the small one or the one the size of your head. Because it's like that's how it is in the movie theater, right? You know. Yeah. It's okay if you make it a diet. It's all the option. <laughs> yeah, it's just water with food coloring at that point. So and ice. And of course, what they do is fill it up with. You ever notice like if you fill that cup up with ice. 
you only get like about eight ounces of soda. Yeah. It's just all ice. Then you got to walk back. Yeah, when I when I go to Taco Bell and I order my Baja Blast, I say no ice. So I can get Same as much here, Baja Blast. Uh, I it say comes it, out cold anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I, I say it because uh, I found out that the ice maker in most fast food places is full of mold because they never clean it properly. So oh, Perfect. Uh, there's your pro tip for the day. That's Don't get ice. Well, how did you find places. that out? I, this was like a big uh, Reddit thread at one point. Everybody was talking <laughs> about uh, the grossest parts of fast food uh, establishments, Ooh. and all the people that worked at various places said the ice maker was always the grossest yeah. thing. All right, that's so. good to know. That's yeah, but everything in all all of you know, people actually knew the food preparation areas and all the dark secrets of. <laughs> oh yeah, I don't want to know. You would not eat outside. That, that's why I can't eat there. I can't get the ice anymore. And then if you knew how everything packaged in the store was prepared, you wouldn't eat that either. <laughs> so you would have to basically hunt for your food. Basically, <laughs> it's pretty easy in San Francisco. Yeah, uh, but then we- you'd find out. Wait. That cow's been eating poo this whole time. I'm not going to eat that. What are you going to do? I don't know. Uh, Sorry. Uh, so there's a guy in YouTube, uh, Marcus Well BMD. He says uh, they're they're going to f- slot into the same exact prices as the other ones. So you're getting the more cores for the same prices. Oh, See, that's no. this guy's this guy's nuts. This guy's nuts here. I asked for guidance. So, like, I was like, are they going to keep the 16 and 12 core around? And I think they're, like, kind of, like, uh, you know, it, it may or may not stick around. So it may coexist. If if it doesn't stick around, maybe there's a case to say, hey, slot it slotted in at the same price. You're just getting more cores. So. See, that's what I'm saying. I think that 999 price point. I could see Real that. nice. See, you know, I got to say, this is the nice thing about AMDs because you get excited about guessing about the price. Because yeah. you're always, you're, oh, AMD always, I mean, I get like, excited with Intel, too. You want to talk about that 28 no, core? No, you don't. Uh, that twenty eight or the twenty eight core Intel, I'm gonna guess seven grand yeah, uh, for that one. And, well, no, uh, the chip itself will be three grand, but the motherboard will be another three. Yeah. <laughs> Good. See, that's I mean that's the problem, right? I mean you you get excited about AMD because you say, oh, it's gonna be eight hundred dollars. You're like, hey, we'll give it to you for six fifty. Yeah. Oh, that's why I, that's why know, I aim low with them because it seems like they I always know, are well, beating my estimate. There's no excitement about when you guess what Intel high end parts are gonna be. <laughs> I mean, like nine ninety nine, we're gonna give it to you. For nine ninety eight. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, that's, well, that's... We got we got people in the chat saying uh, that they did it with Ryzen uh, second gen Ryzen, you know, uh, and it was actually cheaper, uh, kind of. So yeah. you know, yeah, it's possible. I mean, yeah, it's possible. I'll come I mean, back and eat that paper. You can and, count. Well, don't on worry, it. I've got it written down. Yeah, this good. Time. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, AMD does, and I got to say, AMD likes playing the good, good person, good guy, good gal, as they say these days, and they like sort of like, hey, we're giving you all this, but you know, if. Intel basically fell off a cliff and AMD were the only game in town and be like, yeah, <laughs> yeah they'd be a nightmare throat too. Or probably be I'm changing my price. So. Oh. My Ryzen comment just made me think I'm going to the 1500 camp as well. well. Because yeah. that Ryzen 7 2700X and 2700 are eight cores for 300 bucks. Just quadruple it up, man. Give them some overhead, 1500 bucks. <laughs> All right. I, now, I now, now three of you have the same bet. This seems, yeah. <laughs> this seems like collusion. It does nope, make no you pressure. wonder what no everybody expects. It tells you about <laughs> what we should really expect. That 32 core part, everybody th- really expects 1500 yeah. bucks. Yeah. And of course, I guess one of the problems is AMD always like gets people super like, yeah, it's always cheaper than what you guess. And they'd be like, yeah. <laughs> well, we have to give it to them. Uh, gotta, maybe, yeah, we want to make money on this. So <laughs> 1799. Nah, that's hard. <laughs> it's, it's about expectations. Oh wait! How much time do we have left for E3? Did I burn all the time? Uh, we have not burned all our time. Okay. We, we got uh, we got some time. Let's should uh, jump should in. We, talk we, about games. I want to talk about games because I 
I understand E3 is all about PC gaming. Ah, oh, ah, oh no. Oh, oh, oh. Whoops. <laughs> E3 and now for that industry. And now for E3. There at, we go. Maybe okay. we should oh, put sorry. a sticky on that button. <laughs> <laughs> I, was too, I was too busy with my... Uh, E3 all about PC gaming. Yeah, no, I was too busy with my uh, my razor fidget spinner uh, that glows in the dark. <laughs> yeah, actually. they did give us that. That was some what, good watch swag. The, watch oh, this, really? watch this. Hold What'd on. you do with your razor fidget Hold spinner? On. I mean, Hold it's on. at my house. I didn't bring it oh, into the office. There we go. Today. Glow in the dark. You like that? It's, it's, yeah, it's very pretty. You kind of see it. Anyway. Uh, yeah, we can talk <laughs> about games. So, uh, what do you want to know about, Gordon? Well, were, right, World what? of Warships, not at the show this yeah, year. Yeah, what did you... Why? Wait, what did we see that you were like, hey, I wonder if if Gordon would switch over to this? Skull Bones. Yeah, Skull and Bones, Bones, I think. Yeah, the <laughs> Assassin's Creed uh, sailing game that's not actually Assassin's Creed branded. Really? <laughs> yeah. You can sail around. It's like old tall ships, so you can uh, run around as a pirate, sink uh, other vessels. No, because, I mean, it's about the ship combat. I honestly like... I, I mean, it is ship combat. That's the whole game. It's a, it's all just ships. But you do you... You're actually... You can, how do you control the ship, though? You are the ship. <laughs> oh, okay. You're, you're sailing uh, the ship. Just like World of Warships. Yeah. You know, I used to be into, uh, yeah. So I used games. to be into video games. I mean, <laughs> hey, World the... of Warships is a great game. Mike. I No, I believe you, but it wasn't at E3. That's, I can't, there's nothing I can tell you. We didn't get a behind closed door demo with Wargaming this year. <laughs> All right, you know what? I Okay, <laughs> I'm going to tell you what the thing is, and it's out of an E3 thing. The thing that's going to uh, get me off World of Warships will yeah. be Battlefield Five. Okay, I mean, that I, is I, technically an E3 right? thing. Yeah. We did okay. play it there. Yeah, I'm excited. I mean, really, the Star Wars things were kind of disappointing. I Battlefield One. Yeah, I you just, didn't like Battlefield One. I'm sorry. I I I feel like if I could like get a refund, I would. I just don't play it. It just. But, but why didn't you like Battlefield <laughs> One? But so you're good. excited for Battlefield Five. That's what I don't. He likes World War Two. Because World War Two. Yeah, is it just the M1? It's, it's yeah. I it's mean, like hearing that. It's, yeah. It's more. It's a more modern kind of like. Yeah. Okay. And it was just like when I think of World War One, it's like, hey. Uh, you got any mud? Yeah, I got some mud over here. Oh, they're blowing the whistle. It's time to go up and get slaughtered, run into a machine gun fire. Right? That's what World War One is about. Like, yeah, that, World War One combat in Battlefield One seems a lot more uh, mobile than I would expect. Hiding in a mud pit, waiting for yeah. No, I mean it was a very down. loose take on World War One. I, I think uh, the, so. Battlefield Five, we could start there. Like we saw that on, uh, or I saw that on Saturday at EA Play. That sounds right. Was that yeah? It was Saturday. Uh, and we played some multiplayer. And that game seems really good. That's all, that's about all I got. It seems like Battlefield One with those World War Two weapons, um, very pretty. That uh, alone, I'm sold. Yeah, well, and I'm, I I really like. So one of the things that you wouldn't know because you didn't play much Battlefield One <laughs> is they all added right. a mode called Damn. Operations. That was a new multiplayer mode that combined uh, traditional. Traditionally, they had Conquest, right? The flag capture mode. Then they had a rush back in like Bad Bad Company Two, I want to say, yeah. uh, and that was like a point capture type mode. Uh, operations kind of combined all of that, so you would have these maps that had like six stages worth of objectives to get through. Some of them would be rush, some of them would be conquest, and it would be played out over two maps. And so uh, you would be trying. The, basically, there was an attacking team and a defending team, and the defenders were trying to make the attackers run out of tickets before both maps were up. Okay. Um, so they've brought that mode back for Battlefield Five, except they've expanded on the different like each chapter of these maps now has like a different setup. Uh, so the first one that we played it was this map in Norway, and uh, you the attackers start out as Allied paratroopers, and so the way they are entering the map is like flying out of these planes. Uh, it's cool. It like kind of like tells a story about the multiplayer, like these battles. 
through the multiplayer matches instead of it just being like a team deathmatch style okay. romp the whole time. It's like, hey, no, this was like a real battle and it kind of went through these stages. And um, so I'm curious oh, to see actually, what they yeah. do with that. Like, I'm hoping we get some of the like like a battle of the bulge maybe or something where it's like these iconic battles. Um, <laughs> maybe bring back Midway <laughs> again. Oh, um, yeah. Well, and I also heard that you don't have to be a medic to help uh, revive people. You right? don't. No. So, and yeah, you, yeah, that, you I can, think that can help some too. You can do the you can do like a like a hand grasp pull the guy off the <laughs> ground and i was like that guy just got you, shot you in the shot. face like <laughs> <laughs> just like lifting his corpse back up uh, so no need for medic class no there's a there's uh, a mean, bunch of classes like the medic can still hand out uh health kits to re- so that you don't have to go down all the way and he gets them up faster too yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. um but yeah it was it's a really cool like i thought battlefield one was great we gave a game of the year actually uh i thought yes i know that's why i bought it uh i thought that game was fantastic i thought <laughs> They're like war stories. Uh, their vignette style single player campaign was really cool. They're bringing that back again. Um, okay. They've promised that they're not just going to do so. Like Call of Duty went back to World War II last year. Yeah. And they just did like, ah, it's Normandy again. Like it was just Band of Brothers for like the 800th time. Uh, it's kind of cool. Battlefield 5, they seem to want to get away from that. So this Norway map was the only one that they were showing. Um, but they've promised it's not just going to be like, oh, it's D-Day again or something like that. But is it... I'm, uh, I'm, I'm hoping... Go ahead. You can go ahead. No, no, you, you should go. go. <laughs> I'm hoping that... Uh, okay, I'll go ahead. I'm hoping <laughs> that... You kind of alluded to it somewhat in your write-up. I'm hoping that they do something more like big and involved with the yeah. multiplayer. <clears throat> like, it'd be real sweet if it was like a campaign of missions that you like. This week, we're going to all replay. That, that's what it sounds like. It's It sounds like they're doing like a different map every month for the operation stuff it's not gonna be so like in the in battlefield one it was just like hey you are gonna play the like it's just a map rotation basically you can pick all these different maps to go through uh now it sounds like they're basically gonna be like no this is the grand operations mode for the next month and you're gonna play these two maps over and over and then after this month is up we're gonna switch to the next one and then we're gonna switch to the so it might be like hey we're just gonna walk through the war from like you know huh. 40 41 to 45 and just like do all these battles in order um super ambitious i don't know if that's actually how it'll pan out but like that's what they made it sound like while we were there but uh and the one thing the other big change though is the server size right isn't it huge now uh, well so they have a battle royale mode that they're um. adding in which will be uh presumably 100 players so uh if you want to get in on that like all the the teens all those millennials yeah how yeah. many how many players are in a world warship match Gordon? i roughly gosh i i'm thinking maybe 11 I mean, if oh, you do, a ra- okay. I play, I play pickup yeah, games, wow. which are random games, and That's it's usually smaller, 11, 11. Yeah, I'm excited yeah. to see Battlefield's take on Battle Royale. Like, it's not a genre that I'm, like, super fond of, especially now. I feel pretty burned out on it, but um, they were already pretty close to Battle Royale size to begin with. Like, they've been 64 players for a decade now, uh, so jumping to 100 is not a huge ask for mm-hmm. them, I would imagine. Yeah. Whereas when Call of Duty says, we're making a Battle Royale mode, and you're like, these were 16-player matches before. How are you going to jump to 100 players in the same Call of Duty match? Uh, yeah, I'm sort of doubtful on that end. I'm, I'm, but on the other hand, Battlefield series, the multiplayer's not traditionally deathmatch. It's traditionally team-based. Yeah. So I'm real curious to see how they make that transition. Yeah, it'll probably well. be all snipers all the time and <laughs> just a horrible nightmare. Uh, how do you integrate that into to vehicle combat, too? Because Yeah, I, I mean, PUBG has vehicles in it, so I mm. would assume it's similar where it'll just be Jeeps and stuff. Um, but I'm not sure. Like, it, 
they haven't said anything. Uh, there was a games beat write up back in April where they actually leaked the battle royale mode, and they were very clear that thing is not coming at launch. Like they at the time, oh, Dice huh. was not even aware whether that was going to be in the game at all, and that's why we didn't see it at E three. I would uh, assume okay. that's going to be like a December or a January okay. update, um, probably like their first big expansion. Which in the past, like uh, Battlefield Four, I think they added the like warship mode that was like their version of the Titan thing from twenty one forty two. That was like a like a six months later expansion. I assume this battle royale thing is going to be similar, but we'll see. I don't know. It was cool. Uh, we got some people asking about uh, Destiny. I mean um, Anthem. Yeah, can, can Anthem. you talk a little bit about Anthem? Yeah, I can talk about Anthem. Brad read my write up. Uh, I did. Anthem. I, actually, Adam played. Well, Adam sat on a couch. I, I, I watched played, it. Yeah. So. For those of us who don't know what it is, because we only played yeah, one so game. Yeah, so Anthem really is well. uh, Bioware. <laughs> oh, it's God. Bioware's take on Destiny, basically. Um, so it's a shooter. It's third person, not first person, like Destiny. Uh, but otherwise, it's kind of the same. It's just like shoot a bunch of mob enemies and numbers pop out of them. And you... You're in giant mechs that can fly around. Yeah, you're in a super mobile suit. And like that's the part that I think is really cool. The movement in that game is fantastic. It's all frostbite, too, so it looks beautiful. Okay. Um, yeah, you it can... Did, it did look really pretty. You can like jump up in the air and then seamlessly transition into flying and then transition from that into like hovering and then transition back into flying once you're done shooting, guys. Really cool, really beautiful. Uh, but I just don't, and Adam said this multiple times after we saw the demo, like, why is Bioware making this game? <laughs> because, uh, it doesn't feel like it's in their wheelhouse at all. Uh, and they keep trying to like at EA play. They kept like, Oh no, there's a real deep story here. Hmm. But then like we played the demo and there was like f- two minutes of a guy yelling <laughs> nonsense at you and then nothing like it's just shooting guys for like 30 minutes or something like I that mean, s- somebody could say that there's a deep story in destiny as well yeah but... uh, yeah if you wanted uh, <laughs> you know <laughs> i mean de- and that's the thing like my problem with destiny has always been the lore when you read about the lore it sounds 8,000 times cooler than actually playing that game. Uh, there's None of that comes through in the game itself. And Anthem, I was confused as hell playing that for the first time. I never played Destiny 1. Yeah. When I played Destiny 2, they're like, oh, you should... You, Zavala is sad now. Like, yeah. Who is Zavala? Yeah, who's Zavala? <laughs> <laughs> is that my problem? <laughs> and, that, and Anthem feels already like it's going to have the same problem. Like, I, It's hard for me to say because they're only... you know, It's an E3 demo. They're showing us like a one-slice five minute or you know 20 minute demo but it really like i came out of it being like i don't even know what this story is about like there's nothing here to hook you um and that's a shame because bioware's track record has not made me super uh confident in where they're going these days uh coming off the back of mass effect andromeda especially the another bad bioware game seems like not what they need right now um but i don't know that's about all we can say I agree 100% with your write-up. By the way, if you go to PCWorld.com, look back a week. All these games Hayden did excellent in-depth Yeah, there's a thousand. Up, so. We did like, uh, what did we, 35,000 words or something like that oh last week? Yeah. We had Brad, and, <laughs> Brad and Adam and Martin and I were churning, so. Um, but uh, like you were saying, uh, the, the combat is really good, the gameplay yeah. feel. You said it's even better in Destiny. And that's the thing that I like about Destiny yeah. is the gameplay feel. That's the reason I still play it. I think... I wish they would have shown more of the hook. Like like you were saying, I think that Bioware story would be the hook. Why would you play this instead of Destiny? But yeah. I think it's also encouraging that they show that, look, we can get the combat 
we're Bioware, so the story will catch up. Yeah, I, I, I just hope that's actually true. Like, Mass Effect, yeah. they did very much the same thing, where it was like, the first time we played that game, it was a very combat-centric section, huh. and it was like, ah, oh, but it's Bioware, the story will be great. And then I played it, and the story was not great, and it turned out that, like, the combat stuff was 70% of that game. That's uh, the first uh, Mass Effect game I didn't finish. Yeah, and that's <laughs> I feel very worried that this is going to be similar, where it's going to be like, 75% that combat and then 25% like oh yeah we had to tack some Bioware stuff onto this and I'm just not sure like it's it's not out until next February or whatever so they've got some time but uh, it didn't like it wasn't super inspiring in the way that I was hoping like oh we're finally getting hands on with Anthem would be um, I was go ahead sorry I thought I was trying to time it so you when you pause that was the reason uh, I was reading your division two write-up and yeah. you had much the same issue with that which is a bummer for me because I was looking those are two games I was looking forward to because I'm a looter shooter fan and division two is adding all kinds of new stuff that look at him laughing <laughs> yeah Gordon's uh, like looter shooter. looter shooter what is that but uh <laughs> could go both ways for <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so division two is adding all kinds of cool stuff they've added all kinds of cool stuff to make the game a hundred times better over the lifetime of that game yeah but it sounds like you couldn't see any of it in the demo at e3 it's just more of what you saw at the first division one e3 demo years ago yeah i don't know why like, this has been like one of my big problems with e3 demos lately and i understand they don't want to like give away their story like they you know oh we don't want to give away like an end game mission plot point or whatever uh but if the thing that your game was targeted for last time as being bad was the story i don't understand why you would then come with an e3 demo that's completely devoid of showing any progress on that front and that's like the division was just that it was 10 minutes of just pure shooting it was like an end game side activity that was like hey we're just going to take over the area around air force one uh which had crashed into a swamp it was the same as the trailer they showed uh during the ubisoft press conference um all the set pieces in that game are beautiful. All the shooting seems tight. It like is fine, but like none of that is the stuff that is going to hook people again. Like the reason the division got pinned the first time was because the story was awful. And then when they come back and they're like, "Hey, we fixed all this, the stuff that was wrong with the game side of it." You're like, "Well, great, but like, did you fix any of the stuff that people were actually mad about last time?" Uh, for them to like put out an E3 demo that's not any of that is very bizarre to me, but. Um, I was really hoping it was going to be like a story mission that shows up a character that yeah, it launches just show one me, like, of those f- eight man raids that they've been yep. touting. Just show me like the <laughs> first story mission. Like that's all I, I don't need you to show me like something real deep into the game. Just show me like the first story mission. Make me like super overpowered so I don't really have to worry about anything. And just like run me through like here's the setup for our game. Um, like that's what I liked about the Hitman 2 demo at E3 this year was like they were just like here's a mission. Like you can just play the mission however you want. You can... You know, hit a dude in the back of the head with a fish and all this stuff. <laughs> um, it, like, gave you, like, a real hook to get into that game and be like, oh, this is what I'm going to be doing. And, like, this is the sort of story stuff that they're aiming for. These are the crowd techniques they're aiming for, all that. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. A lot of weird demos this year that I felt like we didn't really like get a good view of what that game's going to be afterwards. Well, uh, we got a question from Elvis on YouTube. He's asking, uh, which one of these games can he play with his cyber shoes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want to talk about the peripherals you saw there. Cause it looked yeah, you like, want to talk about cyber shoes? <laughs> yeah, it looked like the usual kind of like oil and snakeskin. Uh... <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> so we have a video on the site. 
for Cyber Shoes. Um, <laughs> and what, what is it? It's again? like the sequel to Cyberpunk, so, right? Cyber uh, Shoes. Yeah. So back in the day, like I'm gonna say, like four years ago, when VR was hot. Uh, hot, we would hot, go hot. to conventions and see Especially VR treadmills. Packs. Yeah, <laughs> it was like packs. I even saw some of the three for a while. Like they would have VR treadmills. There was the the Omni was the big one. There was another one that I can't remember. Wait, the name didn't of you now. try one of those, Corden? I feel like you did no, at that packs no. we went to. No, no? Oh. Uh, I don't. It does feel like oh, I thought we did a video. On I don't that. think so. And you would wear if like so it wasn't great. Yeah, Uh, they never were. They were like fine. It was like a cool proof of concept that need a lot of work. But it was always like, are is people are people really going to put this huge thing in their house for like six hundred? Simulate the walking. Yeah, and basically it was just like a curved dome thing, and you would walk in it, and you were like strapped into a harness, and it was basically to solve the problem of like, hey, I don't like teleporting. It's not immersive. How can we make it so you can walk without just like walking into a wall in VR? Uh, And so these. This team, the Cyber Shoes team, has basically reverse engineered that in the opposite direction. So now instead of walking on a treadmill, you attach these like they look like ski bindings. You attach them to the bottom of your shoes and then you are you sit in a chair and you can sort of like like make a running movement with your feet just like this. <laughs> and it makes you run in the game. <laughs> And feel like a complete dork while you're doing it. And it looks so, so (laughs) stupid. And we saw, like, the name is bad. Like, we saw the booth, and Adam and I were like, we need need to do the Cyber Shoes video. But it looked pretty effective. But it works. (laughs) Except it it almost worked a little too good. Yeah, I mean, we were playing Doom VFR, which is, like, probably the wrong game to demo that stuff on because you're, like, running upstairs, and that's always hard in VR to begin with. And then it was hot in the convention center. So I got like a good nausea going on. We had like the post, really, yeah. We had the post VR burps going for like uh, <laughs> for like five or ten minutes after the after the demo. But like it was our last day too. <laughs> the tech itself worked completely fine. Uh, there were a couple moments where I thought I was going to run forwards and accidentally ran backwards because it's very sensitive, but. It like worked surprisingly well. I could see it becoming a thing for people that really do, like hate teleport movement in VR. Um, I don't know. It's a strange thing. I don't yeah. know. Paddling around. And out. Don't office chairs normally have wheels on the bottom of them yeah. anyway? So if you sit there paddling around, then you'll actually be paddling around your living room. Uh, yeah. yeah. Wheels on the bottom, right? And yeah. It depends It depends on like how hard you're hitting. Like, you barely have to touch those things to the floor to make it work. Um, and I guess you could put a rug under your chair or something. To... <laughs> but yeah, it, it was surprisingly effective. They have a Kickstarter in like September, I want to say. Uh, it was... <laughs> Probably the weirdest thing we saw at the show. Well, I got to say, uh, what looked even more effective was the, it looked like they took an Ikea lamp, you know, one of those ones that come uh, over and then hang down. They took the lamp part out and they just ran the VR cables like up the light and then down onto the yeah, head. So it was, so it was like, out of the way. Yeah, it's like and you could circle all the way. Yeah. That was actually kind of cool. That was probably <laughs> the coolest part because otherwise that cable would get tucked around this chair really fast. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. Um, or around your neck. It seems a lot more viable than like, hey, here's a $600 treadmill to keep in your house like (laughs) these things you could put in a closet when you were done with them which seems a lot easier for most people yeah okay what else well well, actually i mean we're we're running up on time uh cyberpunk yeah Yeah. we should talk about cyberpunk let's hit cyberpunk metro and dying light which are the three games of the show uh it's also very interesting because they are all from eastern european developers uh which um really shows where the industry is at these days i think huh. um yeah it's uh 
so I grapple with this because uh, they're all also known, uh, have been embroiled in uh, labor disputes. Uh, mm, all, there's a lot of like, hey, you work here and they work you to death and then you leave. So it's a little bit weird to be like, oh, all these games are some of the best games I've seen in the show and also were probably built off backbreaking labor. Um, but man, they're all really cool. Uh, First one? It, yeah, let's do, let's just talk Cyberpunk in case we run out of time. Uh, it's incredible. Really? Uh, did you ever get a... You didn't play Witcher 3. You're, no. You're a, no. That doesn't fit your really World of Warships lifestyle. <laughs> uh, Brad, did you finish Witcher 3 eventually? I got like 95% of the way in. I didn't finish. Yeah, and Adam hasn't played it, so... I, I got like eight hours I, in. I think Is I there... have 140, 150 hours in. Yeah. I, I didn't get to the end. Is yeah. there an M1 Garand in it? Uh, no, Gar- it's not. actually M1 Garand. Is the proper way to pronounce his <laughs> name. Uh, yeah, so Witcher 3, probably the game of the generation still, uh, if I had to choose... Um, amazing RPG, did a lot of stuff with story that I didn't think was possible at the time uh and i remember when i went and saw that demo at e3 2013 the first one i was at um with brad uh i went and saw that that witcher 3 demo and they were like we're going open world and having played the original witcher and witcher 2 i thought it was a huge mistake because everything was going open world at the time and i was like this is a story driven game why are you going open world they did it and they made the best open world game of all time so Five years later, they finally show off Cyberpunk, which they announced back in like 2012, 2013. It's been forever, and they finally brought it to the show. Um, they showed a trailer during Microsoft's press conference, I think. Yeah, because it was a big yes. coup for them. Yeah. That was like yep. their final thing. Yep, last one. The one that I thought was going to be Watchdogs for five seconds. <laughs> uh, yeah, they showed it off, but then they showed us behind closed doors like an hour of game footage. Um, it was incredible. Uh, I think I tweeted this out the day that we saw it. I like literally some of the stuff they were doing in that demo. I didn't think we were at a point with hardware where we could make those things happen. Really? Yeah. And, and the, the wizardry that is on display there, like who knows like what, like how much of the game is actually in that demo, um, at the moment, but they said they were running that demo on a single 1080 Ti. at 4k 30 frames per second, which blows my mind because I honestly like, I would have thought that they were running that on like a like an SLI system, right. uh, running it at 1080, 60 maybe, um, because the stuff that they were doing when you see that behind closed doors demo, it makes you wonder like how are they so far ahead of everybody else in this respect? Like if they could make that if they could make that demo that I saw work on a single 1080 Ti at 4K like where is everybody else like where is <laughs> so i one of what? the things i that i said in the thing uh, in our in our article was like you walk out of your apartment at one point and uh first of all it's first person which is a big change for cd project but uh you walk out of your apartment and the scale of the city is just like it looks like an actual city like most of the times you go into a city in a game right and it's like ah okay <laughs> it's like three streets and right. all the buildings are like three stories tall uh think of deus ex yeah exactly <laughs> like deus ex even mankind divided it was like a lot of like techno technological trickery to make that game work and it was basically like here's 15 streets and some like you know 10 story buildings uh in cyberpunk like we walked outside and it looked like a real city there were maybe like 100 150 npcs walking around all of which were like 
doing things. They weren't just like doing the um you know, like video game thing where like everybody's doing generic right actions or anything. Like there there were people looking at storefronts, there were people holding hands, I think. There were people like crossing the street, all this stuff that looked very much like if you walked out into a city today, like if you walked down to Union Square in San Francisco, you would see these people walking around. Um I've like literally never seen anything like it. It was like so far advanced over what I've played as somebody okay. who plays games for a living. So I've always been impressed by like GTA Five mm-hmm. and the city, the buildings, and yeah. vehicles, the people. Eh, you know, it's just yeah, way and that's beyond that. That's the thing. Like GTA Five was probably my standard before now. Like that, they put a lot of people on screen, but like a lot of those people were always doing just like you know, ah, oh, they're just walking, filler, and they are not like named phone. characters or anything. They're just like you know, they would just spawn people in and be like, here's right. a like as far as I know from what their demo was saying, like everybody in. 2077 cyberpunk 2077 uh is like a character with a background and like stuff to talk about with um whether that holds true like who knows that's a lofty statement for them to make um but like that was the claim that it sounded like they made during the demo like hey all of these people are like people you can interact with um I just like I didn't think again that we were at a point in hardware because you like as somebody who plays a lot of games you kind of just get to a point where you know like oh this is the limit like this is where we're at right now um and then occasionally like a game comes around like i compared it to uh when assassin's creed the original assassin's creed which that series has become well has sort of revitalized in the last year but had become a joke because they just did the same thing for a decade right um but i remember when the first assassin's creed trailer came out and it was like this city is like a real city. There are crowds of like 30 people on screen at once. You can jump off the top of a building and like plummet all the way down to the ground. You can climb back up again right after. I remember seeing that, that trailer and just being amazed that we could pull something like that off on the 360. And like, that's how I felt again this time. Like it's one of those like landmark demos where you go, Oh my God, like this is the next, like this is where we're going to be in five years. That's, that's why I'm really disappointed that like every single game wound up releasing their own gameplay footage trailer mm-hmm. for E3, and that is the one game that doesn't, and that's the one game where everyone's <laughs> like, "You need to see this." Yeah, and they, and they did that with The Witcher also. Like, I remember Witcher Three. Like, we saw those behind closed doors demos, and I don't know if those ever came out. And if they did, I think it was way after the fact. Um, so yeah, like I hope they put that footage out because I think it's really impressive. Um, I've talked to people I, that were there that were like, it's a, so like my thing, you know, with every three demo, it's like, Hey, are they actually playing this live? Or is this just a recorded thing? Uh, I talked to some people there and they were like, no, I've had hands on with cyberpunk, like at their office. Like it's actually a game. It runs like they're not fooling you on that. So, uh, I, you know, I don't have, we didn't touch a controller and I didn't like go over to make sure the dude's monitor was actually doing the things that he said he was doing, but, uh, I'm prone to believe them. Again, if it was anybody but CD Projekt, I would have a lot more like, ah. Um, but like, I remember feeling this way with Witcher 3 and just being like, I don't think they can pull this off. And then they did for the most part. Like, the things that people nitpick on that game are like, ah, that rock texture is not as good as it was in the demo. Like, stuff that's so that's, minor. That's, that's, uh, that what bums me out because I wouldn't be surprised if part of the reason why they don't show this demo is yeah. because of all that moronic reaction to the E3 downgrade. Yeah, or whatever, exactly. Yeah, and that, and that's the thing. Like that stuff was so minor; it was all just like textures and stuff, like optimization stuff. Um, so, 
yeah, like I almost believe they can pull it off because they've done this before. Like they've made me think this isn't possible and then pulled it off. Uh, not just like made it okay, but like made a great game out of Witcher hmm. 3. So um, that makes me, me feel like it's going to be like a 2020 plus release, like a next gen console kind of release. Yeah, I thought so too, but they said they're targeting this gen. So who knows? They Weird. said that game's going to run on PS4 and Xbox One, which I am uh very doubtful about <laughs> but yeah uh, like, there's, there's a couple of people asking uh did they mention anything about dx12 uh vulcan anything no like nothing that? technical it was pretty much just a straight game walkthrough mm. um okay. we just talked about i mean there's all sorts of cool stuff we could talk about in that game too like uh uh it is first person and all of your uh neuro mods because it's cyberpunk um all of your like mods are uh like done in first person view so we replaced our eyeballs uh, and you like the camera or the doctor like leaned in and like took our eyeball out and the screen went black. <laughs> and then the, the like cyber eyeball that they were replacing it with was on a table nearby. And so it clicked on and our camera view was like that eyeball that he was replacing. And so he like picked up the eyeball and put it in. And then <laughs> the camera after that was like normal, but it was like a cool touch. It's like they, they have an attention to detail in their games that you just don't see very often. Um, like I feel like Ubisoft is one of the only other studios or the only other publishers um, where I feel like they really get like into the details on some of those games. Um, like for all their faults, I think division and, uh, Assassin's Creed origins and some of those like really big tentpole games from them are incredibly detailed. Uh, cyberpunk yep. is the same way. It's just like, everything is just lathered in, you know, fake advertisements, uh, all sorts of like cool billboards, uh, in game, you know, ads for like the neuromod people. And it's just like a really cool universe. Hmm. Okay. Uh, we are running short of time. Let's get to the last two other games you've been talking about. Unless Brad, you got a question? No, I'm good. Okay. Yeah. So Metro, uh, not much to talk about there except they're making open world Metro, which is, oh. um, really cool. I really love 2033 and last light. I don't know. Brad, did you play those ones? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're great. That's, more metro in an open world to me is just like Battlefield Five, Battlefield One, and World War Two. That alone, yeah, I'm interested in it just because of that. Yeah, that's the thing. Like all those metro guys, uh, like at the beginning, were ex stalker people. Like that's where Foray came from was the stalker devs, and so it's kind of cool because it's watching. To me, it's like watching Metro go full circle. Like they made. And they took the elements of stalker that people liked and turned it into a highly linear shooter for a couple of years. And now they're like, ah, screw it. Like, we'll just make another stalker game. Um, so yeah, that seemed really cool. Uh, I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, I think game informer did like a blowout on that a couple of months ago. So if you're looking for footage, that's the place to find it. I think they have like hours and hours of footage over there. Um, but yeah, that was cool. And then dying light Two, which was, I think my, one of my biggest surprises at E3. Why? Uh, I was very excited to see it. There was no whispers that thing was yeah. occurring whatsoever. That's why. Yeah, we um like we saw at GDC they were making a battle royale dying light mode. Um, and like we had a lot of fun with it. Actually, we played it and like had a good time. Uh, but that was I thought like when they showed that I then thought okay, so dying light two has to be like a year or two off. Um, because they wouldn't just like show this mode and that they're selling standalone and then like a lot announce a sequel at E3 and then they did. Uh, <laughs> and 
it's like Chris Avalone who wrote Planescape and a lot of the Obsidian games and is just a pretty phenomenal writer um, in the games industry in general. He's, and, Chris Avalone is the guy where a bunch of the modern CRPG games, like when they're on Kickstarter, one of their extra funding tiers is, hey, we can afford Chris Avalone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, like Divinity Original Sin 2 had Chris Avalone do some character work on it. Uh, he's like a very prolific guy these days. Mm. Um, and then they also, when we showed up for our demo, they then were like, hey, actually, we have part of the Witcher 3 writing team on our team now. Um, and it was specifically the people that made the Bloody Baron quest line, which if you played Witcher 3 is like the most iconic part of that game, maybe. Um, it's like cool because that the original Dying Light was one of the best zombie games I ever played in terms of the movement was great and the combat was phenomenal. Uh, but the story was garbage and yeah. it was just like very tedious to get through a lot of the times. There was a lot of like, Hey man, Such bad acting too. Yeah. And it was like, <laughs> Hey man, cross the entire map to go get this thing and then come back. And that was like most of the mission structure in that game. Um, this time, like they've got, it sounds like they're like really doubling down on the writing. Uh, they, have like all sorts of crazy like the basically like the choice stuff that you that a lot of games do these days where it's like hey you can either kill this guy or save this guy um but done on a level where it's like affecting entire districts of the city that you're in so um there was the mission that they showed us you could um either side with these rebels who were camping out in this water tower or you could side with the peacekeeper faction and the effect was basically like if the peacekeepers take over the water tower they give away water for free to everybody in the district, but it's also, it becomes like a malicious state, basically. Like, you're under martial law. Oh. And if you steal, you get your hand chopped off. If you steal food, you get hanged. Like, it gets, like, kind of bleak, but everybody that behaves gets water. Uh, the other one was, like, if you side with the rebels, they actually, like, turn into a capitalist nightmare and sell the water. So you, like, walk into the district, and there are people just, like... I'm so thirsty <laughs> sitting on the side of the road. Uh, but then they like cut you in on the profits. And also because the peacekeepers didn't move in, there's like a whole black market that uh, huh. like appears in that district. Um, it looks like <laughs> incredibly ambitious, especially for a story in just like a zombie game. That um, makes a lot Gordon, of sense. Gordon, Gordon says interesting, but yeah. his face does not say interesting. Yeah, he's like, no, he's because like, <laughs> he's like there's no like, 50 the cal guns on this. Uh, <laughs> I, Where's your M2? I, yeah, no. I, I just... I, the thing I like about Dying Light 2 is it's the opposite of what we were complaining about with Division 2 and Anthem. Yeah. They're like, oh, our story sucks? Hey, Chris Avalone, take the stage on Microsoft. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And that's, that's how that whole <laughs> Behind Closed Doors demo was, too. It was like 45 minutes long, and they like showed a little bit of combat, but it was probably like five minutes out of that whole demo, and the rest of it was just like, here's our writing. Like, we're really trying to make good on this. Like, we heard everybody's complaints last time. We really want to, like, make a game that's not just fun to play. Like, I mean, it's amazing how many players they still have in that game. That game is, like, three or four years old. They still were, like, we have half a million players every day, which is, like, mind-blowing. Like, there are games that are only a year old that don't have that many players in them anymore. Um, So, yeah, like, it's, it's, like, really encouraging to see them and metro and cyberpunk and be like oh there's some really cool stuff coming out of eastern europe and coming out of uh these devs that are kind of like b-tier devs because for a long time that b-tier died off and we weren't getting any of that anymore um it's really amazing to see like those are our three games of show basically and all three of them come from like devs that are kind of semi-independent or like work in weird parts of the country or parts of the world that you don't necessarily think of as traditional game development hubs 
Um, really encouraging to see stuff like this coming out of those studios. Uh, yeah, I guess it's the independence. They don't have to, like, maybe it's because they don't have Overlord saying, you need to develop a Battle Royale mode for, <laughs> yeah, for, yeah. for Microsoft Word. <laughs> right? I mean, it just kind of... It's it's sad. It does seem like it does seem like sometimes the games industry replicates Hollywood and just let's just give them the exact same thing we gave them last time. Yeah, and so. yeah, everybody trend chases, uh, and it becomes like a real problem for a couple of years, and then all those studios end up going bankrupt because nobody wants to play anything except PUBG and Fortnite anyway. Um, Maybe if they can, I know because you know somewhere at a studio or a publisher they're going like, how could we combine Dust Level, <laughs> Counter Strike with Battle Royale. Yeah. Like, Battle Royale in dust, right? Just like, it would just be the end. I mean, we were laughing. They have Mavericks Proving Grounds. Is that the game that was like, it's a thousand, thousand person oh, Battle yeah, Royale. Yeah. And I was like, what the? How? Sure. That the only be... weapon is a meat cleaver. Yeah. <laughs> is it really? No. <laughs> That'd be funny. It's, it's just, wild. Yeah, I don't get Video it. Video games. They're still coming. Too frenetic. Uh, uh, yeah, we're running out of time. We got... If we can, Brad, can we take three questions? I have six minutes left, and then okay. I gotta go. All right, Fast rapid fire. This first the first one is gonna overtake him. All <laughs> right, sticking out his beard. Uh, this one's for you uh, directly, Brad. Uh, Rusty Shackelford is asking uh, if you've run into any issues about the Deep Cool Tesseract besides cable management. Case no, no. My uh, that's the one that I helped build my friend's PC in. He's had no issues whatsoever. He's gone through some part upgrades and. No issues. I mean, it's not going to be, you know, impeccable cable management and stuff. That's an affordable budget case. Uh, but like I said, I'm really impressed by it with the quality that you get for 40 bucks out of that case. Awesome. Uh, the next one, uh, it's VD21 TVI. Oh, no, TV. Uh, I want to get a gaming PC that is MSI that is upgradable, but I don't know whether to get an MSI MI3 or an MSI Trident. Which is better? He's targeting 1440 uh at 144 hertz i don't know the configuration of those off the top of my head that'll make a big difference but 1440 at 144 hertz you're probably gonna want at least a gtx 1070 or vega 56 or a gtx 1080 or yeah i would say 1080 probably that's uh yeah if you want to max it out like i i have a 1080 ti at 144 hertz and if i want to max out games i'm still not hitting 144 hertz Hmm. these days Uh, (laughs) yep and one last thing there, I, at Computex MSI did have an updated version. They're going to sell both alongside each other, but the newer one is basically what would be considered a classic micro tower. So it'll take standard components, standard size video cards. The Trident was always, it really was console size. Uh, this new sort of Trident Plus will be even bigger. So Yeah, Trident's a cool machine. Yeah. Uh, and then CMP is asking, uh, any idea why we didn't hear anything regarding the big format gaming displays at Computex? And I will mention that we did see yeah, them, did at, see the them at the NVIDIA booth E3, yeah. but they weren't hyping anything up. Did They're you coming. guys see anything at Computex? Uh, I saw it. It was actually at the NVIDIA keynote and in the booth, and NVIDIA, Jensen, I think, said end of the summer. Later on, they said, uh, actually, more like end of the year. So it, it is going to come. They say it's going to be real. Them for, oh, big format game. Never mind. I'm yeah, BFGD is, it it looks like they had shrunk the... Isn't that what you said? It looked like they had shrunk the power supplies a little bit. So they yeah, so, so it looked a little more. It'll look a little more real. Yeah, yeah so it was real, because when we saw it at CES, it was run off of an ATX power supply yeah. outside. <laughs> this one actually was internal power supply. It looked a lot closer to a real product, you know, yeah. 
So yeah. uh, I think it's it's really going to come this year. Jensen himself said, hey, this year, man, it's going to come this year. Yeah, I don't believe it. <laughs> we ain't going to have the video yeah. card to sell you that's going to go with it. But you All know, right, well, one more last question real quick. Uh, everyone's asking uh, VR at E3, is VR dead? Hayden. Uh, I wouldn't say it's dead. I just think that it's in a very niche spot, which is where it should have been to begin with. Like it, Oculus was there. Uh, they were doing stuff, but it's just not... Um, like I think Insomniac actually announced a new VR game uh, during yep. E3, but um, it's just not. Uh, yeah, it's niche. It's, like it's, it's going to be niche for like it's five slumbering. more years, ten more years at least before that stuff becomes mainstream. And honestly, like that's what it should have been to begin with. Um, and th- this is a normal pattern for everything. You get hype phase, la- backlash phase, and then actual phase. Yeah. So we'll yeah, that's see. the thing. I don't. I think there's too much invested in it for it to go away entirely. Whether it ends up taking over, who knows? Um, but they're still working on it. Oculus still has that Santa Cruz prototype, which we'll see again in September or whatever when Oculus Connect happens. So yeah. All right. Cool. cool. Let's, I'm gonna uh, get us out of here because look, here. this light is rapidly I know, it's eating Brad. Brad. It's, he's dissolving <laughs> in the light. Yum, yum, so yum, check yum, back. I used to filming this time of day, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> check back next week for your fix of PC talk on the full nerd. For audio listeners, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. Send questions and comments to the full nerd at uh, pcworld.com. Also, leave a review on PC, uh, iTunes for the the podcast every time you do somebody creates a new uh, battle royale mode thanks for coming i'm your host gordon Young with brad charkas adios special guest hayden dingman hey bye everybody and hey oh god i'm so gone i need coffee adam will turn hey. us off hey gordon hey yeah hey, hey. <laughs>